dear family, the topic today is living these decisive times as one with Christ. Let us pray. Mother Mary, you're always faithful to God, even through the cross. Mother, pray for us. Amen. For many years, the Spirit of the Lord has been speaking to the church to prepare and form us for the decisive times which we now have entered. The Lord speaks to us through the popes, through saints, by sending his Blessed Mother more frequently in the last few decades than never before in the history of the church. And he also speaks through many other prophetic voices. For example, Cardinal Raniero Cantelamesa, who has been the papal preacher for many years, recently described what we are now living as a time of great tribulation for the whole of mankind. It's very important that we take this to heart because God has a mission for us. It's not about curiosity or sensationalism. The Lord has not revealed the specific events that we will be facing, nor when the events mentioned in Scripture will take place. We should not be curious about those things or trying to find out the day or the hour of such events. But we do need to be attentive to the signs of the times. That means what is going on, the current events, because everything that happens, every idea or ideology has serious consequences. We are living as children of God in a dangerous world, and he wants to instruct us and guide us on how to proceed. So we need the Spirit to discern and to understand what is happening, these ideologies, these events, in the light of our faith. Because only in this way do we know what the Lord wants and how to respond. St. Paul tells us in the first letter of Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 2 to 6, But you, brothers, are not in darkness for that day to overcome you like a thief. For all of you are children of the light, children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as the rest do, but let us stay alert and sober. Alert to what? Alert to the Lord who's speaking to us. And how does God speak? In the church and with the church interpreting what is going on in the world. It should be evident to you by now that we are living in very difficult, serious challenges. We see all around us the rejection of God, a great apostasy, the persecution of Christian principles. We are living like a tower of Babel. Our generation has forsaken God. 
and made themselves into gods. We think that with our technology, with our intelligence, we are going to reach all our goals and we are going to become self-fulfilled. So the powers of the world are working towards a great reset. Reset everything. Schools, universities, society, the economy. We're living through a major social revolution to establish a new world order without God. This will result, is resulting in a great shakeup affecting the world as we know it. Our personal lives will be changed. Our securities that we have enjoyed, our appeal to justice, to stability in our society is passing away. And this is a great challenge. But the good news is that God is also preparing a great reset. Because a great reset is really needed. There is a lot of injustice, a lot of evil in the world. So Satan has his own reset, which is a lie, promising many things to entrap us, to subdue us. But the Lord also has a great reset and it will come as a time of judgment. Now, I'm not talking about the end of the world, the final judgment. I'm talking about a judgment in history, in time. And therefore, I'm talking about a judgment that will really be a manifestation of mercy as the Lord brings to light the reality of evil so that we can understand the damage that it does. That's what I mean by it's a time of judgment. God judges the evil of the world, reveals it to his followers, to his disciples. This is wrong. You must reject it. You must rebuke it. Look at the consequences of sin. So it's a time of purification and repentance for those who see, who become aware, and who want to follow the Lord. In Romans chapter 1, verse 18, St. Paul tells us, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and wickedness of men, who by their wickedness suppress the truth. Does that sound familiar? The truth is being suppressed, censored, persecuted. And then it goes on in verse 21 and 22. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give him thanks, but they became futile in their thinking and their senseless minds were darkened. Claiming to be wise, 
they became fools. This is our times. It's very clear. Now, when we speak about the wrath of God, it does not mean that God is angry, that God has a temper. The wrath of God means that love and evil are incompatible. So, as we see the the genocide that is going on upon born children, the abuses that are going on, the way that our children are being indoctrinated, how religious freedom is more and more endangered. So many things happening with not even understanding the difference between a man and a woman. That God created us equal but distinct. And we are who we are because God created us that way. Even saying this today can mean losing a job, being censored. And so God teaching us the truth, seeking to save us from all this darkness of the generation, presents us with his way. And therefore, there is a clash. Two opposing powers, two different world resets. That's what it means, the wrath of God. It's not that God is angry. God is all love. But God, because he's all love, must confront what is destroying his children. John Paul II, just before he became Pope, came to the United States, to the Eucharistic Congress in Philadelphia, and he said that we're now living the final confrontation between Christ and the Antichrist, the Church and the Antichurch. This is coming from who a year later, or two years later, I don't remember, became John Paul II, Colonel Watila. And then he lamented, I don't think that most people are aware of this, referring to this final confrontation that we're going through. So what is going on? Well, Christ defeated Satan by persevering in love at the cross. Talking about confrontation. That is the confrontation. The powers of darkness, the powers of evil come against Jesus and Jesus remains faithful to the Father, remains loving and is through this act of love that he defeats the powers of the world. But the battle continues. He is forever triumphant. But we who are his body now must follow him to the cross. What he said, those who want to be with me must deny themselves, take the cross and follow me, still is true today. So those who will triumph with him, he's already triumphant, but those who will triumph with him are his body, the body of Christ, 
must participate in this present battle against Satan. It's been going on all through the history of the church, but now is taking a greater dimension. And so we must be aware and we must make decisions with our whole heart to follow the Lord. Now listen to the catechism number 677. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through this final Passover when she will follow her Lord in his death and resurrection. And the Catechism 675, before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. Do you see why we have to be alert and sober? We already see a great apostasy going on. And that means millions and millions abandoning the church, even abandoning Christ, being seduced, being absorbed by the world. And the Catechism goes on to say, the persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist. A pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in place of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. Now, there will come the Antichrist, but before that happens, the way is being prepared by the powers of darkness. Do you see what is going on in humanity? Men glorifying himself in place of God? Do you see the apostasy? Do you see the fake religion, the religious deception, men of authority claiming to be very pious Catholics and doing the opposite, supporting a genocide, supporting all kinds of serious, serious immoralities. That's religious deception. So many people think, well, then it must be okay to be Catholic and, and be like that completely into the world. So we need to know specifically these things. Specifically, I mean to really ponder the Word of God. To really ponder what the Lord told us in Fatima. To really take seriously what is going on in the world, what ideolo what these ideologies that now are being taught in the schools, where are they leading? They're leading us to embrace communism in a disguised way. 
I want to now share with you an apparition that happened in Kibeho, Rwanda, in Africa. It started in 1981. It's an apparition of Our Lady. And by the way, there is a summary of apparitions and prophetic warnings that are approved by the church. You can find them in the chapter 8 of the simple path to union with God. So this apparition in Kibeho, by the way, it began when I was a deacon in 1981, and um, Mary appeared under the title Mother of the Word. And it appeared to teenage girls mostly, and she gave them an apocalyptic vision of the events that were soon to take place because she wanted to warn them and to prepare them and I believe also to prepare us because what happened in, in Rwanda is a foresign of the danger that is now threatening the whole world. And in this apocalyptic vision, they the, the Blessed Mother showed them rivers of blood and urgently called them to repentance. But no one imagined what was coming. In 1994, a tribal war broke out and it resulted in a genocide. Neighbors killing neighbors, husbands killing wives. People were attacked with machetes. It was horrific. And while the whole world remained silent, more than 800,000 people were murdered. Among the dead were many who were present in the apparitions, who had heard the warnings of Mary. Now, you might remember also the apparitions in Akita, Japan, to Sister Agnes. She remained silent after the apparitions, which, by the way, were approved by her bishop. So for about 40 years, she was silent because the apparitions happened in the 1970s. And then in 2019, now she's 88 years old, she spoke out again. Doesn't that make you have a sense that something really serious she's about to say? And she simply said that an angel, a messenger of God, told her, put on ashes and pray for a repentant rosary every day. Now, this is translated from Japanese. I think a repentance, a repentant Rosary simply means pray with a profound spirit of repentance, which would be the same thing that Our Lady asked in Fatima, in Kibejo, etc. Something serious, something very serious, the Blessed Mother is preparing us for. And we need to, to respond. Pray the Rosary every day with a spirit of repentance but not just to do the rosary and now you're, you're done. This will be the introduction 
to enter a spirit of listening, of attentiveness, of reform of life, of an intimacy with God, trust in God, the joy of knowing that we are his body, we are his, his sons and daughters. So, as the upheaval increases, my dear family, many are going to be tempted to fall into fear. Now, it's normal to experience the instant of self-preservation. Jesus experienced fear in Gethsemane, but he overcame that fear by turning to the Father in prayer. And that's why he asked the disciples to do the same. Unless we turn to the Father as one with Jesus, we will focus in protecting ourselves and we will fall into fear and we will be misled to seek false security and we will be confused by the lies of the world. This is taking place already now. The fear of the virus. We are swallowing the lies that the world is telling us on how to protect ourselves and not really listening with, with our hearts attentive to the Lord. We're falling into fear. And soon it will be fear because of the collapse of the social order, fear because of the economy. Now we hear people saying all the time, be safe. At the end of programs, at the end of um, anything, be safe, meaning be protected. But, you know, it really doesn't make any sense. Be safe really means to be in God. Our goal is not to save our lives in this world, but to lay them down with Christ. So many people are concerned about the virus, but there's a virus destroying our souls and it's being ignored. My dear family, our lives are no longer ours if we belong to Christ. That's why we call him Lord and King and Savior. So remember Maximilian Colby, who was not afraid. And he faced the powers of evil. And, and he chose to give his life for another man. And he died injected of poison. That's how he died. So he chose that rather than to be unfaithful to what God was calling him to do. Recently, I saw a short video of a priest called Father Tim. He was with the soldiers in Iraq. And he chose to be with them in the front lines to celebrate Mass with them. And he was uh, seriously wounded. He died then later of his wounds. Father Tim said something that I will never forget. The safest place to be 
is at the center of God's will, no matter what. So when you hear, be safe, think about that. The safest place to be, it's at the center of God's will, no matter what. Most people are not aware of the root of the problems that we're living. Jesus came to free us from the powers of evil that are now dominating the world. But few turn to him. The same thing that happened when he was walking on earth is happening now. Listen, Matthew 13, 15. The Lord says, This people's hearts have grown dull, and their ears are heavy of hearing. Their eyes they have closed, lest they, lest they should perceive with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn for me to heal them. They have become blind, unable to, to hear as well. The hearts hardened. Don't let this happen to you. Just like Satan went with all his fury against Jesus, now he's coming against his followers today. The Lord has given us in Love Crucified a mission for these decisive times. The simple path is our formation to be his faithful remnant, victim souls for these decisive times. So these times are an opportunity to grow deeper in union with our crucified Lord. This way, we continue his work of redemption. What a great mission. This is to be saints for our times. Why should we fear? We are called to be witnesses of God's crucified love in the midst of despair. This is why we embrace with love and trust the trials and sufferings as one with Him. My brothers and sisters, Christ was victorious at the cross and His victory will be manifested through those who embrace the cross and are therefore one with Him in these times, as the cross is manifested through great trials, great difficulties. In other words, trials are the cross, and the cross is an opportunity to be one with Christ and share his victory. So, as we live the path, the Lord takes us to self-knowledge, to repentance, and then the word and the teaching we receive acquire a new understanding. We become aware of the signs of the times and the battle we have entered. We come to know how to fight this battle and how to defeat Satan. And we acquire an identity as warriors, who mount their horses onto battle. 
This is our mission. So difficult times are an opportunity to become great saints. Remember Romans 5.20, where sin increased, increased, grace abounded all the more. So, yes, sin is widespread, but God is pouring out the grace to become saints like never before. St. Louis Grignon de Montfort, in his treatise on true devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary, says, and I quote, Toward the end of time, and perhaps sooner than we expect, God will raise up people filled with the Holy Spirit and imbued with the Spirit of Mary. Through them, Mary, Queen Most Powerful, will work great wonders in the world, destroying sin and setting up the kingdom of Jesus, her son, upon the ruins of the corrupt kingdom, which is this great earthly Babylon. You see? So, yes, we have all this uh, great reset, this times of great tribulation, but great opportunity to be in the sight of the Lord and be victorious and and be able to live this is going to give so much glory to God and is going to prepare the way for a new Pentecost, for the visible, glorious victory of the Lord that will come through his divine intervention. We're not going to do it. We're just going to be joined with him through these trials, through these difficult times, and the Lord will do it. All he needs us is to be obedient, to be faithful in our daily, ordinary lives, to be who we're called to be. I want to finish with the path in page 170. It says, Revelations 21.5, See, I am making all things new. And St. Arnold Jensen wrote, The Lord challenges us to realize something new, precisely when so many things in the church are crumbling. It's not a time to, to despair. It's not a time to get angry, to attack other people because of things that they're doing. Let us be light in the darkness. Precisely when so many things in the church are crumbling, the Lord is challenging us to realize something new. It's a new divine holiness. The Lord said to our community, I am doing something new. Believe that the martyrdom of the heart is a hidden force. The Lord gave us a message in the community, November 16, 2010. Eyes have not seen, nor ears heard, what your God has prepared for you. I invite you to come and see. I will remove the veil that covers the eyes of your soul so that you can see what few are able to see. 
you will see the new Jerusalem in all its glory. She, more precious than gold or diamonds, will be yours to possess. Allow me to remove the plank from your eyes that keep you from contemplating the glory of God before you. My dear family, in the midst of trials and tribulations, the Lord is with us, guiding us to the new Jerusalem. Let's be faithful. Let's go for it. God bless you. For more information on the path to union with God, please visit the Love Crucified Community website at www.lovecrucified.com. God bless you.